Yo, this is Greg Capullo, man, and you're listening to Elegant Weapon. And you know who the biggest elegant weapon is? I can't tell you where it's located, but it's uh, got something to do with me. And Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 156. My name is Jay, the Jedi Ross. Please excuse me while I flick my bick. The time has come. Execute order 66. Oh, goddamn. Oh, that was a lung full. Just one lung full. The other, the other one's okay. It's not bad. No worries. I can breathe. <sighs> welcome back, my weapon ears. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you again here this evening in the L5J Studios. Tonight, tonight's guest, Mr. Travis McIntyre. Travis McIntyre, he's a comic book writer. You might remember him from a few episodes ago when he was on talking about his recent book, Up the River. If you didn't have it, go get it because you need it. Second printing coming soon, in fact. You'll hear all about it. But uh, Travis has come back to hang out and discuss his new project, his brand new project. It's called Bayani and the Nine Daughters of the Moon. It's good times. He's got a brand new Kickstarter. We're going to tell you all about it so you guys can go out there and support. You know, we make the pod, you make the pledge, they make the comics. Hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. So that's the routine. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to stick to the routine. Just like passing it to the left. You must always pass it to the left. Every time. But uh, tonight it's just me sitting here introducing this to you. So I'll just pass it to myself. So hold on one sec. Oh, thank you, Jay. Ah, oh, you're quite welcome, Jay. Ah, no problem, Jay. All right, enough rambling. Here we go. Me and Travis McIntyre. Little bit of Skype crappage at the beginning. You know how Skype can be. Little bit of fuzzy wuzzy, little bit of dippy dippy, but it actually improves vastly throughout the interview. So forgive the few first minute, few minutes where Travis sounds a wee bit fuzzy. 
Um, but he clears right up, and it turns into a fantastic conversation. So enjoy it, and then go support Bayani and the Nine Daughters of the Moon. Make comics, people. Make pod. Make something. This is what we made. Check it out. Are you over at Dev's place, then? Uh, I'm actually at Koi's Comics in Saginaw. Oh, cool, cool. Is that Steven's shop? Steve's shop, yeah, but he's not here. It's actually closed, so we're probably going to pack up all his shit and (laughs) do a heist on the way out of here. Nice, nice. (laughs) So, last time you and I spoke, other than in person, at Motor City Comic Con uh, on the show was for Up the River. Yes, Uh, yes. Fantastic book, which came out to much acclaim. Everyone uh, rather enjoyed that endeavor, yes? Uh, I think so. I mean, it uh, the first print run, um, I believe the first print run is sold out with the exception of the copies that I have as my, the, to, you know, sub. Nice. I guess my understanding is that we're going to do a second print run of the first issue in September at the same time that issue two comes out. Oh, that's fantastic. That's... So when issue two comes out, there will be another set of issue one. Nice. Check it out, kids. If you weren't able to get the first printing, make sure you get the second one because that's a fun, fun book. So. Yeah. And it's also available digitally um, uh, on Comixology and Drive Through and all that. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, and you can uh, just find me at a convention, and I'll happily sell you one. How, uh, how often do you trip out to other conventions? What's your circuit like? Oh, man, quite a bit, actually. <clears throat> It's uh, over the past, uh, this will be my third year now, and it just keeps getting more and more. Good times. Uh, so, like, for me, um, it's pretty crazy. Um, uh, which is the Cincy Con that does, and then near the end, there's a one-day con. Um, I think you know Tony Maiello, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, he's, he's promoting a one-day con, uh, Michigan Comic Book Expo. That takes place in late September. And then in October, there is oof, Monroe, which is another one in the kind of the Detroit area, uh, smaller show, but it's a fun show. I went last year too. And, uh, and then two in November, one, uh, is, is again a smaller, uh, two day show, Fantasticon. And then, uh, and then a really big one in Chicago, uh, Days of the Dead. So like, the end of November, I've got at least one a month, and most of the month I actually have several. Oh, nice, nice. I've heard of that Fantasticon before. I've noticed that one. I know people have had a good time there, for sure. Yeah, it's fun. They do a smaller con, but uh, as far as, like, the people that, that seem to go to it, you know, they're interested, and they are buyers, and, and so it, it's uh, it's always, I've, I've always had a good time. That's nice least, to hear, uh, yeah. I've been to two of the previous and both of them were pretty fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. That's uh that's a little disappointing about Denver comic con, but you expect a place like Denver, a place where they have mile high comics and uh, a certain reputation uh, in a shop like that in town to be, you know, a, a pretty comic friendly town. But Denver comic con was a bit notorious for uh looky loos. And just kind of issue buyers, and uh, our good friend Mark McKenna, who I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more this evening, 
that's that's what he was noticing as well. Is just uh, you know I mean, a lot of these artists they make their money off their original pages or at least uh, a bunch of commissions, but uh, you know that vibe just wasn't happening. It was kind of disappointing at a Denver, you know. Yeah, that actually kind of does surprise me. Um, I, I will say that it's. In my, again, this is my third year doing it, so it's limited experience uh, with the con scene, but uh, it's it's really hard to predict, I think, what kind of crowd is going to show up and what they're going to be into. I mean, um, the, the people that are likely to walk around in Artist Alley and buy a bunch of small press stuff and a bunch of independent stuff and, you know, get a commission and a bunch of original art are really not the same fan as uh, the guy who wants to show up and, and spend three hours digging through you know, the dollar bin looking for back issues, you know, yeah. they're just two totally different people. So it's tough to, you know, if you're an indie guy and you got a couple of brand new books out that you're trying to sell and you get those guys, those long box miners, you know, they're not interested in what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. It's, it can be tough. Yeah, totally. It's a, uh... it's, it's weird. Cause it's, it's such a big convention and it's only like four years old. So yeah, I've heard it's huge, like 50,000 people plus. Uh, they, they got, they probably broke 70 this year. It Jesus. was, yeah, yeah, that's it, super big, man. It was monstrous. It was, it was really big, but it was like, it was more like a fan expo than, uh, one of your bigger comic cons. Like fan expo is twice the size, but, uh, fan expos never tried to pretend to be a comic con. Like they've always, you know, that's, I think that's why they originally named it fan expo is because they didn't want to. They wanted to be able to op- be open to everything, which they are. But that being said, I mean, Ontario here is an incredibly rich comic book community, and we've got a lot of artists living here, known and unknown. And uh, I always hear that it's a killing at Fan Expo. Like when I talk to the artists here, they just they can't even keep up with their commissions, and their original pages are gone by like the second day. So it's one thing I'm proud to hear about at least you know our big con in town here is that you know the artists are actually you know making some money getting some appreciation you know yeah i'm actually uh i'm hoping to be able to do fan expo next year actually uh I, you may or may not be aware it's actually kind of it's it's pretty competitive it's hard to get in to fan expo oh it's incredibly hard they uh it's i i get pressed at a lot of comic cons right and, uh, you know, I do some panel moderating and sometimes I get a table and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I, I, I got a pretty good treatment on the scene most of the time. Fan Expo, I don't exist. Podcast, <laughs> they, yeah. They're like Jason Clark. Yeah. No yeah. way. It's my hometown con. Hmm. Uh, you know, there's not many, you know, genre type podcasts coming out of Toronto and they just will not give a podcast uh, a press pass. They just refuse. And they blame it on the guests. They say that the guests don't want to talk to people like on our level because, you know, it's like the Wild West. They don't know who they're talking to sort of thing. So it's kind of lame, but I mean, when you've actually built up a little bit of a resume where you've got, you know, you know, you've got some awesome cons you've had my back, like Motor City and stuff, it's, you know, it's a little disappointing. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's hard to get in there, you know? So, um, yeah, uh, Josh Werner, though, who's a guy I think that you know. Oh, I know Josh well, yes. Well, uh, well enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he got, into, got into Fan Expo this year. Oh, he did get into Fan Expo this so, year. 
he'll be up there. Wow. So you might see you might see a couple of my books at the very least since he's worked <laughs> on some of them. Right, right. Well, there's a bit of a Michigan contingent that came up last year. Tony Maiello, uh JJ Cott, Jay Fosgett, and who was the other one? There's a fourth to their madness. Oh, was Jay Cott Fosgett? The other guy. I see him in my head, and I can't think of his name. Bill Polkowski? No, there's another simpler name. It was one of those main-type guys in that contingent there. But, yeah, they all came up, and they had a four-man table there. And they happened to be set up across from uh, my boy, who's Anthony Rutgazer, and he does uh, the first hero for Action Lab. Oh, right on. Yeah, he and, uh, we've been friends for years, so he always hooks me up with one of his guest paths. Sweet. So, so I can at least, you know, have some so freedom to get around. It's almost like you have a guest pass. Yeah, it almost is. I mean, sometimes there's celebrities I'd like to talk to, but, I mean, that's the only thing you'd really need the press pass for. I mean, everybody on the floor is more than willing to share their shit with you, you know? So okay. there's always plenty of cool people to talk to and plenty of cool stuff to see. Well, that's cool. I'm glad Josh got in. I, it's, uh, it'll be good to see him up here. I, I'm not sure if Fosgett got in. He might have got in. Uh, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, I haven't, I talked to Fosgett just the other day, but we didn't talk about fan. I actually think I have him, uh, uh this is a, a just slightly different cause you know, I, I, uh, I help put projects together for source point, uh, source yeah, point yeah, press. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think I've got, uh, Fosgett, um, on board to do a standalone, uh, uh, kind of larger than a normal issue, you know, but maybe mini graphic novel of a uh, <clears throat> a horror book that, that is going to be written by Casey Pierce. Ooh, <laughs> how do I not know of this project? Is this a very fresh well, announcement we're hearing? <laughs> this is a, this is a new thing. We actually, I was, you know, we just kind of like work. It's still not completely nailed down, but it has a little bit to do with timing. You know, Jay's a busy dude and oh, all yeah. this other stuff, but. Um, you know, I, we got talking about it, and he was kind of expressed a little bit of interest to do something completely different, like outside of, you know, his, uh, you know, I mean, you, you know yeah. what he does. He's got his wheelhouse of the, that kind of cartoon and, you know, yeah. a little bit of that Disney style, a little bit of that kind of old-fashioned animation. And he's fucking great, you know. Don't Oh, he's so good. He's so amazing good. at it. But he expressed a little bit of interest to kind of get outside of doing some of that. And, and, uh, and Casey had been kind of working this script for a little while and, and we wanted to do the script because, you know, we're a horror publisher, basically. Right, right. And so, you know, we ended up throwing it out. Casey and him are good friends and she, she, I think, leaned on him and twisted his arm a little bit. So I think, Next year, I think that that has a good chance of coming together. So wow, that would be really, cool. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Just so the kids out there know, Jay Fosgett, uh, an amazing artist. He does My Little Pony for IDW, and he's got his own book, Bodie Troll, which I was very, very honored to uh, be able to perform the narration for a brand new Bodie trailer that he put out this year. Oh, dude, I forgot all about it. you. Were so good in that. <laughs> that trailer is. That trailer is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun to be able to be part of that. And he was so excited about it. Like, he was just stoked for that for so long. And I remember when he first mentioned it to me last year that he was thinking of doing that. And it was, I was super honored that he, you know, remembered me in the end and 
Yeah, total thrill, and I really hope that goes somewhere for him because Bodie's a fantastic property. He's, oh, yeah, it's yeah. great, and and the the J loves animation. Oh yeah, you know I mean, he's a student of of that, and he's he wants to break down that door. And I, I think he actually has some. I think he might have some cool shit like you know floating out there that might uh, that might pan out for him. I don't know, and I haven't really heard one way or the other but i know he was really excited when the trailer came out and i hope that something comes of it yeah he's so deserving of it he works so hard and uh also a hell of a canada file eh yeah yeah absolutely yeah he knows more about canada than most canadians and uh it's fantastic he was up here last march for toronto comic-con and uh, I love having him up this way and that's what we were chatting about because uh, i'm a big voiceover fan and right. uh, I'm totally into that whole scene. So that combined with his love of cartoons, we had a we had a great old pod time back at Toronto Comic Con. And uh, I actually hold the distinction of Bodie Troll's first ever podcast appearance. Really? Yeah. Look at that. A, yeah, it was on an elegant weapon. I mean, uh, he sounded uh, an awfully lot like Jay Fosgett, but uh, you all just have to trust <laughs> me that it was Bodie Troll. Right? Yeah, it's just that the problem is, is, is it's like two women syncing up with their time of the month. <laughs> Bodie Troll and Jay have spent so long together. Yes. That they just have started picking up each other's manner of speech. That's <laughs> fantastic, eh? <laughs> oh, that'll be cool to see. Just recently, the other day, he put up uh, a couple old graphic design posters he'd done for some events, and it had that old, like, 50s look to it, you know? Yeah, like, the Shakespeare event. Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah. I didn't know he did shit like that. I, I fell in love yeah. with that stuff. But. I'm telling you, man, he's more versatile than, than a lot of people think i think because of the work that he's most known for right. you know the ponies and uh, but he's more versatile than that and uh i'm it's just you know if you like the stuff he does if, if this all pans out we can make it happen i think that there's going to be a really cool horror book coming down the pipe in the next year or so that that is yeah. going to be something really different well it'd be awesome to see more from casey too because uh, tremendous success putting out pieces of madness this year uh, fantastic oh, yeah. stories in there. So it's been a fucking bang them up year for both of them, and that's a hell of a coming together. So Casey and Jay, that's that's super cool to hear, kids. Uh, but enough about you bastards. Let's talk a little bit about Bayani. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What uh, the hell were stuff. you thinking? <laughs> uh, so yeah, Bayani's interesting. Um, the it's it's essentially uh, a story about two kids um and they are on uh they're in the philippines on uh the island of laguna and they're <clears throat> there there's a drought and uh one of them gets chosen by pati the uh the god of rain to go on a quest to uh, rescue the nine daughters of the moon who've been kidnapped by various uh, monsters and mythological creatures from uh, that particular region of folklore um, in order to uh, allow the moon to come up and the sun to set. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully it rains and ends the drought and, you know, saves their village. So it's, um, at its heart, it's sort of an old-fashioned uh, kind of adventure story. I sort of uh, liken it to a little bit of like an Indiana Jones kind of thing. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a monster hunter, a little bit of a relic hunter kind of thing. Um, 
but it's also very, very much steeped in uh, Filipino folklore and mythology and legends and uh, the stories of the Aboriginal culture uh, um, and, you know, their creation myths and uh, kind of the uh, the stories they tell to teach lessons and the stories they tell to, uh, uh, you know, to scare their kids and, and all that kind of thing. Um, so I, I really tried to make it something that was uh, completely foreign to a Western sensibility because, uh, you know, most of our uh, fairy tales and folklore and mythology is really, really popular. You know, it's, it's actually hasn't been as popular as it is right now for a long time. You know, you've got t- fairy tale stuff for adults. You know, you've got uh, TV shows like Grimm and Once Upon a Time and all of that. But it tends to always be based on our sort of like our European yeah, it's always the famous ones, yeah. Right. Uh, so what I wanted to do is uh, – and I had gotten in, in, really interested in this uh, previously, and, and I can go into that if, if you want. But um, I wanted to write something that was like uh, – took these stories and these creatures that are completely foreign and, and, and different, but write them in a, in a story that was told in a Western way. Um, so you kind of end up with uh, this sort of mishmash of like a Harry Potter meets the Odyssey meets a never ending story with, uh, you know, this Islander mythology, you know, so that hopefully it would be familiar enough to a Western audience that they would be like, oh, I understand how this story is being told. And these monsters are awesome. And these little stories are cool. But at the same time, uh, you know, the more, uh, you know, the audience that is familiar with this mythology, but maybe the, their style of storytelling is a little bit different. They would be able to kind of latch on to uh, the myths, the legends and the creatures and how that side of it is, is sort of being told. Right. I hope. Yeah. I hope. Right. So uh, did you, do you first decide, OK, I want to do something really original and different and then start building off that? Or did you already have some sort of Filipino inspiration that led you like is this based on, on any actual folklores or is this completely travis's brain uh no it's based entirely on folklore all, all the monsters are real research i did a lot of research on in filipino like uh, why the Fili- and... why filipino what, what 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 brought that on so uh <clears throat> there were two things that kind of happened around the same time um i was looking for uh some monsters to use as like an art reference um, because a lot of times I, you know, I work on horror books and, and more scary stuff and, and uh, just sort of like, you know, crawling into a hole on the internet um, that you, you end up finding some of this stuff. And uh, like, I think one of the first things I found was this like list of Filipino creatures or list of folklore creatures from the Philippines or something along those lines. And it was, it was like a Wikipedia page, but for mythological creatures and some of them were the, like the most fucked up things I'd ever heard of. <laughs> like, like one is a monster called a, a, a Dilla that is made entirely out of tongues. Ah. And it like slides up because, you know, the houses were, you know, they were raised, raised houses, right? Up right, off the right. mud and it would yeah. crawl. It would come up out of the mud and it would slither through the slats of the floor. And, and then it would smother and lick people to death. And okay. another, 
It's just all these crazy monsters. And another one is uh, things called Onswangs, which are basically they're like little miniature vampires that shapeshift. And they subsist entirely on trying to eat babies. Ah. Uh, they can't uh, – they're completely defeated by um, by pregnant women. And the kind of the whole theme behind it is that uh, they're like an undead thing, you know, and they're, they're completely full of death, but a, a pregnant woman is completely full of life. And so what happens is if they're near a pregnant woman, they get stuck in their animal forms, you know. So there's just these like really awesome monsters. And uh, so I got interested in that. Right and this is a while ago. This is this is you know a, a, probably over a year ago. So I'm kind of I, I kind of start researching this, and I'm kind of reading a chapter of this book and a chapter of that book, and reading things online, and being like, man, this is crazy. I I never you know I'm pretty well versed in your Greek and Roman mythology. I'm pretty well versed in your Grimm's fairy tales and your Mother Goose and your right, you right. know your Aesop's fable fables and all that kind of stuff you know that we've grown up with. But this stuff was completely foreign to me. You know, totally new stuff, new creation myths, uh, completely new way of kind of looking at how things are done. Because from our, for our culture, so much of what we kind of base uh, so many things in our fiction is from simple things like the fact that, you know, in, in northern European culture, there's four seasons you know there's a winter season and and all these things and there's there's snow and it gets cold and but in this filipino culture you don't have these sorts of things so they have completely different like the basis is like the most bare bones of of what these stories came from because all the stories are like attempts to explain the natural world right of course yeah so you get down to like the the bones of this and some of the bones that they're using it's like I mean, I guess the best way to, to think about it is like if you you build a house out of cinder blocks and then and then you and then you build a house out of like brick and mortar, you know, you get at the end of it, you end up with a house, but they both look completely different. Right. right? And they, they took completely different maybe method to to build. So that that really interested me because it was new to me. <clears throat> And then around the same time, I'm working on a comic project with a uh, an English fellow named Grant Perkins. I know that name. What has he done? Uh, he did uh, – let's see. He did uh, a bunch of stuff for Nightmare World uh, with Image. When, That's why um, I know his name, Nightmare World, yes. With uh, Dirk Manning. Um, he also Manning. has done a bunch of stuff for 2000 AD. Okay, cool. Um, he did, uh, he did uh, Penguins of Madagascar, the comic. Um, with DreamWorks uh, right licensed Titan Comics, I think he's got, he's got a, a handful of things. Yeah, really, yeah. really nice guy. Um, and so we'd been working on this uh, graphic novel together, and it's kind of coming along. And and uh, it actually, incidentally, that will come out, uh, I believe, in the first quarter of next year, I think. Right, what's that called? Uh, uh, that that called is actually that book is actually a. Called um, a fragment of underdone potato, ah. which is, uh, the the title is that I say it out loud, but it's says to Marley when Marley shows up in the Christmas Carol and he's like you're just an undigested blot of mustard fragment of underdone potato is the yes. story of how we how yes. we do. Um, at, at any rate so we've been working on this and he sh- and he started showing me um, 
he started showing me some a couple of pages that he had done uh, for a story that was being written by uh, Andy Lanning. And uh, Andy Lanning, of course, is uh, the guy who wrote Guardians of the Galaxy and Legion of Superheroes and right on. a whole bunch of awesome stuff. That's great. And it was just it was just three pages that kind of never ended up going anywhere. I, I'm not sure exactly what happened. I think it was supposed to be part of a charity anthology that just sort of never came together. And he shows it to me, and it's sort of this um, it's uh, this sun and moon story uh, from the Filipino uh, creation myth. And the character designs that he had used and the style of art that he was kind of using for it, I was like, oh, my God, I, it's so good. <laughs> and it was something Grant was really into, and he kind of was like, hey, are you interested in, in working on this? And I'm like, well, I think if I were you, you should ask Andy Lanning if he's interested in working on it. Right. right? right. You know, I mean, that's a much better deal than me. Yeah, sure. And, uh, and, uh, but of course, you know, he's a, he's a, a super busy guy. Um, but we did, uh, get in contact with him and, you know, I sent him the pitch that I put together and I sent him the script for the first issue that I put together and, you know, he really liked it and was kind of like, yeah, you know, you're not stepping on my toes, Please go, go forward with it. It looks great. Nice. So we started working on uh, the first issue and we got the first issue like almost done. Um, almost to the point where, you know, it's, it's like a, it was like a rough file, basically, you know, like mostly the letters were in place and the cover wasn't quite finished and there was no logo and, but you know, it was good enough that you could send it out and you could show people. Right. Um, and, uh, I ended up, uh, at a, at a convention and I, I've known Gary Reed, uh, the editor in chief of caliber comics, uh, for quite a while. Um, uh, but, uh, and I've, I've shown him some things before and he's always kind of like pretty nicely been like, eh, nah, nah, nah. And, uh, we were just talking and, you know, about different, different things and different projects that were coming up. And, you know, he, uh, was willing to take a look at this new thing I had. Cause I'm, you know, I'm a loser and I had it on my phone, of course. Right. <laughs> of course. So I'm like, oh, I've got this thing on my phone. Do you want to see it? Yeah. Check it out. Hold on. Hold on. I'll find it. Hold on. <laughs> it was distressingly like that (laughs) so uh you know he he like flips through it and you know caliber is um chiefly known as a kind of uh you know dead world is sort of their flagship title um you know they're they're kind of a kind of a horror uh supernatural indie thing but you know he he started looking at it he was like you know this looks actually really cool and it's kind of interesting that you're taking this angle with it and the art is really interesting. Uh, you know, why don't we, why don't we give it a try here? And, um, you know, and then maybe this could be the, the start of a, of a book, um, you know, a, a book for kids or a line at caliber rather that would, you know, maybe help us get into doing, uh, kids books. Did you expect or at it? least, uh, did you write it I like mean, not, family based in mind? Did you expect it to go that oh, way? Yeah. yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I, I definitely thought of it as a, an all ages book. Okay. You know, I, I think of it as a book, um, that, you know, I don't know if you had a chance to check out the review copy. No, I haven't. Um, uh, did you send me the one? Down, I, I believe I did. Uh, I'm not if sure. not, I'll send you. Yeah. Send I'll me send one. you another. 
Yeah, I definitely got to check it out. Um, yeah, so uh, I had definitely done it as a uh, as a, an all ages book. Um, I wanted it to be something that you know you could because I have a three year old almost now, and I wanted it to be something that you could uh, read with your kid and that they would think is cool. And also, I, I think, and you're kind of in the same boat, you know. Um, because your your yours is only a little bit older, yeah. but I think when you um, if you spend a lot of time with your with your kid and you're kind of hanging out with them and you and you put a little bit of effort in sort of seeing the world through his eyes, uh, at least you know for me I kind of came to the realization or maybe I came to remember how scary the world is when you're that little. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a scary place, and you're scared of a lot of things, and and you know, uh, monsters are a scary thing and they're a real thing. And, you know, and you, you kind of are, I guess, trying to get by with your wits and a little help from your mom and dad, you know, that kind, <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. So, you know, I, I wrote it to be friendly for kids, but I also wanted it to have a sense of consequence, right? You know, I wanted there to be uh, a little bit of of real fear, a little, like I want the monsters to be kind of scary. You know, I'm not trying to pull any punches, um, basically I, I'm taking a long time to say that I, I tried, I'm trying to treat these stories, uh, that I'm, that I'm kind of using bits and pieces of and little Easter eggs of in folklore. I'm trying to treat them with respect. Uh, you know, I'm not right. trying to whitewash them or I'm not trying to Disneyfy them. You know, I'm trying to, I mean, yes, the art is cute and it's funny. There's a lot of humor in the book. Um, well, not okay. Not actually, like you know, art-wise or anything. But I kind of get the feel that you're going for kind of a where the wild things are type idea, where maybe you know, even though it's a kid's story, there are moments in that book where you know a kid's going to feel a little bit of a terror just from the way something's described or shown. Well, a little know. bit of scariness, a little bit of a sense of loss, maybe. Yeah. A sense of consequence. Um, so you know, I tried. I'm trying not to. Uh, to, to me, all ages are kid friendly. Doesn't necessarily have to mean that it's all like rainbows and everything is of super course. nice. Like of there's course. there's some darkness because there's a lot of darkness with with these stories, right? You know, yeah. and you start reading some things and these creatures that they came up with, you're like these these people are. <laughs> I mean, what kind of? <laughs> it's like there's some what weird shit. What did they right? got going on in the jungle that they came up with this shit? <laughs> exactly exactly yeah, you're like yeah. these things are weird this is these are weird monsters yeah. these are weird stories that do weird stuff you know so uh i that's that's kind of how the whole thing came about and um you know caliber agreed to publish it and uh i was really happy because i mean caliber's published some of my favorite writers that i mean warren ellis and bendis oh, sure 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 are have gone through there. So I was really excited and, and really happy and really grateful. Um, and, uh, I mean, and then that leaves us uh, with the Kickstarter, uh, because as you know, uh, creator owned, uh, comics are not cheap. No. And, uh, when, when it is creator owned and you're the guy, uh, who's, you know, maintaining the control of that copyright, then, uh, you're the guy that's on the hook for the production bill. So, yeah, so I launched the Kickstarter. It's it's been doing okay. Uh, you know, definitely need all the help you can get. Uh, and we're doing. I did the Kickstarter for the first three issues. 
So uh, we kind of sat down, worked out a budget. We said, uh, you know, we think it'll cost about 10 grand. And I, I said, you know what? I think I can save up and have, I can cover half of that and I'll kickstart the other half. Hopefully. Okay, right. So it's $5,000 goal. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can get there and, uh, put the book out and put it out on time. And, uh, you it's know, very reasonable it going. goal for, especially for three issues. It's a very reasonable goal. And it's smart because a lot of people will go issue to issue to issue for their Kickstarters. I mean, if you can get the first three out of the way, bam, absolutely smart move. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to just be able to do it and then not have to, obviously, you know, I'd like to not even go back that well, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to get the first three out by some time, you know, buy myself a little bit of time to kind of get the fourth one and the fifth one. Cause there's only 11, there's 11 okay. that have been. So I just got to get to 11. <laughs> At least there's an you know, end in sight. <laughs> yeah, and once the once the book comes out, maybe maybe it sells a few copies, and I can turn that back around into into funding them, and uh, you know just making more schedule, comics. Yeah, keep them coming out. Well, you 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 got a bit of a rate uh, wave that you're kind of riding too. I mean, as far as uh, Source Point and the Michigan Comic Collective, I mean the Kickstarters that have been coming out of there. Uh, you know, especially with Up the River doing. Uh, you know, getting funded and everything. It's definitely a wave you want to keep riding while it's high, you know? So, I mean, yours is a name that some people may be familiar with, so, you know. I, I hope so. You know, uh, a wise man told me <coughs> that uh, the secret to crowdfunding is uh, bringing a crowd. <laughs> so... We're gonna find out. We're gonna find out how much of a crowd I've got. I guess. Well, when, you never you know, know man. This. It's hard to tell. I mean, you, I never know what's gonna hit, even with like an episode by episode. I've had some, uh, I've had some uh, pretty good guests on this show, as far as like notoriety wise, you know. Oh um, yeah. You know, some well-known comic people, a few actors, a few this and that, and not a single one of my episodes even comes close to as many downloads as mr dirk manning <laughs> and we're talking by hundreds hundreds of downloads <laughs> like i've had you know uh I, off the top of my head i don't know like uh let's say uh, mike, mike zapsic's been on the show a few times not super famous but well AMC, people know amc's who. comic book men you know people I mean, know who zapsic is for yeah, sure absolutely enough people have come across you know, this show over 150 episodes that, you know, and they did well, you know, those episodes do well, they bring in the fans or whatever, but Dirk Manning, uh, his right or wrong panel from Motor City Comic Con, uh, involving the Fago incident, oh, that boy. episode is by far and large, out of 156 episodes, the the absolute winner, like he just brought hundreds and hundreds of people with him. And I was like, holy fuck. I had no idea. Like, I knew Dirk was well-known, well-respected, and had a very loyal, good following. Had no idea the army that he was bringing behind him. Dude, he's a cult leader. He's a force of nature. It's Yeah, and he's a he's a dyed-in-the-wool, old-fashioned uh, salesman. Yeah, yeah for I sure. mean, he is he he's great. I I really like him. He's helped oh, he's me out. Wonderful, yeah. He's helped me out so many times uh, with, I mean, just so many different ways in the industry that maybe a lot of people wouldn't 
help out somebody who's new to it, but you know, he's, ex- he's extremely helpful and so generous. He didn't need me to host that thing. That was an absolute, just favor. Here you go. Let's try it out and see how it goes. You want to moderate my panel? Cause yeah. I, I happen to mention once that, uh, motor city is one of the few cons I get to attend where I have never moderated a panel. And he was like, well, you're going to do mine then. It's just like that. It was just like, okay. And he fucking, he, brought the heat you know it was a great old time yeah uh and that's a that's a fun panel that he does i haven't seen it in a in a while um but i remember a couple years ago i caught it and yeah. uh he does a, it's probably way better now actually now well if anybody needs it. to hear it uh just go back a few episodes on an elegant weapon available on itunes and uh an elegant weapon.ca you know? yeah but, it, uh... <laughs> it's a good idea it's a good idea it's fun he does a good job just a great he, job yeah he tells he gives a lot of like act, like real advice, not yes. like bullshit. Like don't give up on your dream, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. He's like, this it's is how it yeah. is, and this yeah. is how much money it it will cost, and this is this is when you throw in the towel on this idea, and you know, yeah, yeah. like Total stuff like that. It's practical advice. Advice, absolutely. It's uh, but I mean, you're pulling in some talent. Uh, speaking of the Kickstarter on this book, man. Uh, speak of a few of the people involved. Uh, I know Mr. Mark McKenna. Um, having him in your camp's no fucking shabby thing. No, uh, Mark is another guy who has been, uh, I met him a couple of years ago, just randomly at a con and we kind of hit it off, uh, and became friends and he's, I've, we've stayed in touch and hung out and hit some cons together and, he's one of the best in the business and he's been incredibly helpful. And, uh, for this, not only did he, is he willing to donate a, a, a piece of art, um, as an original piece of art, as one of the real reward tiers, but he also, uh, him and uh, a fellow by the name of Richard Bonk, who is, uh, an incredibly talented penciler and yeah. Mark inked it. Uh, they did the, uh, there's a, for this first issue, I'm going to, uh, there's going to be a Kickstarter exclusive cover for it that I'm, I'm going to print exactly as many as backers. And that's the only time I'm ever going to print it. That's amazing. And one for me. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Otherwise uh, it's good. Just Kickstarter exclusive. This will be the only time that I ever make it this. And then every other time this book gets printed, however many printings happens, it will always be the uh, original cover by Grant Perkins. But uh, for the Kickstarter, there's a Richard Bonk, Mark McKenna original piece that's uh, the cover, and also the uh, the original 11 by 17 page is also uh, the, on, on a, a, a reward tier. Ooh. Um, other guys, I, I got a ton of great guys. Uh, Gibson Gray, uh, who does a fantastic comic called Lloyd and the Bear. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but no. it's uh, dude, it is great. It's on Comicsology, uh, a few other places. I can't remember who. I think somebody publishes it, but it's like a UK. He's a he's a UK guy. Right on. Um, but it's, it's funny. Uh, he's the guy who did. Uh, I, I'm doing one print, um, and it's this. He's he calls it Bearani, and it's the characters of of Bayani, but as bears, as okay. teddy bears. That's this <laughs> Lloyd and the Bear, really funny uh, comic. Um, who else? Chris Weston, uh, who has worked Marvel, DC. I mean, you name it. Um, Maybe most famous, or at least most famous to me, for doing um, doing the art on uh, Grant Morrison's Filth. Oh, uh, so okay. He's doing an original piece of art. 
uh, Fosgit, Jay Fosgit is doing an original piece of art. Right. Uh, right. Steve Shar, the piece up the river, is doing an original piece of art. Sean Seal, who colors up the river, is doing an original watercolor piece uh, as a reward here. Amazing. I mean, there's there's a ton of original art. Uh, now, is Grant, is Grant just doing the original cover, or is he doing all the main artwork in the book then? Yeah, he does everything, actually. Right, he okay, is uh, pencils, inks, and colors. Wow. And you yeah, said so, Josh was doing your lettering? Uh, no, actually, Josh did the lettering for Up the River. Right. Um, Taylor Esposito is lettering Bayani. Okay. Uh, Taylor is, uh, uh, for years, he was a house letterer for D.C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and lettered, I don't even know how many, probably hundreds, honestly, of DC books. But uh, now he, uh, he he's kind of struck out on his own recently, started his own design studio called Ghost Glyph, Ghost Glyph uh, Graphic Design or Ghost Glyph Design Studios. I can't remember which one. Right on. Uh, Ghost Glyph, though. Check that out. That's, that's him. Um, he does really good work, very professional, uh, you know, no corner is cut really great and i mean you know you read a lot of comics uh lettering is you know that it's the thing that gives it that polish that kind of makes or break the the final product oh yeah oh yeah there's some books i've read where the lettering was just so off that it just took you right out of the story it just yeah, it like breaks up the flow and you're not you're not being you know yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I, in my opinion he he did a truly great job and uh you know we've already talked about the whole thing and that he's going to stay on through all 11 issues and nice um, Nice. See, I have a certain appreciation for the letters because I I have incredibly impeccable printing. Like uh, I've actually at times I've thought of dabbling in doing some comic lettering, but I just don't think I actually have the patience to do like as much as it would take. You mean you you have uh you, like your hand? You actually can handwrite very yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, and I know a lot of you guys should learn how to do hand lettering. I've been thinking about it because there is definitely a demand lately because I'm well, it's so it. rare. It is rare. And it's something like a, several people have actually commented and been like, you could probably letter books. eh?" And I was like, I don't know if I'd have the patience, but the more people that say it, I'm kind of thinking about it because, like you say, it's so rare. Nobody does it anymore. Nobody does yeah. it. I mean, yeah. Fosgit is a crazy person. He letters. <laughs> Like directly on his pages. Yeah. Like imagine. You know, like, oh, that's yeah. Crazy. He takes his pencils and then he just starts inking his original pencils. Not like I'm gonna scan this in and then make a copy. Yeah. <laughs> so that I have something to fall back and just starts inking it and then he just letters on that page. Yeah. That's confidence, man. That's what that is. It's craziness is yeah. what it is. That's <laughs> crazy. Uh, I mean, like, I think the the way you're supposed to do it is you make like an overlay for your letters when you hand letter. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a demand. It's so rare now. Yeah, I, and, I mean, I can it. understand why it's so rare because, you know, it's so much more time consuming. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's... you just wanted to do like a be like, oh, I'm kind of a hobbyist as a letterer and I just hand letter and I'm not trying to make a living. I'm just trying to churn out, you know, a book every couple of months. Yeah. I think yeah. you could absolutely do that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I should look into that. Watch some YouTube videos and see, cause I, I know there's a lot to it. Like the easy part is actually doing the writing, I think, but the hard part is that, you know, a certain T is used at a certain place and a certain, uh, you know, capitalized letter is supposed to be used at a certain place. And, yeah, and there's with, actually and quite a lot of etiquette. I too. with a crossbar. and Yeah, exactly. And top and bottom crossbar. You know, there's 
that's probably the harder part of it to learn. But uh... honestly, I think the most important part is that you have to be reading and truly understanding the script and the art and how it relates to each other because the placement of the balloons, even when if people aren't really paying attention, the letters are telling your eyes where to go next. Whose job is that usually? Is it usually the letterer who places the balloons or are they usually pre-placed there for the letter? You know what? I don't know how other script writers do it. The way I write a script is I will, uh, well, and I kind of, ch- I change a little bit given whichever artist I'm working with because I try to conform to what they're comfortable with. Right. But usually what I'll do is it'll be like page one, panel one. It's uh, a wide angle shot, top one third of page caption, this panel two, middle one third of page caption, this panel three, and then describe what is in each one. Okay. Um, but then at the end of that, I'm, at the end, I'm always like, if you have a better idea on how to lay out a page, do your idea. Don't right. ask me. Just do what you think is best. Right. On. Well, yeah, it's got to be difficult. I mean, with the placement, just knowing how big the balloon's got to be for how many words. It's well, like, that's what I mean is I don't yeah. ever I don't ever put any I don't ever tell I don't ever put any notes in there to the letter, I guess. I right. guess I always just like, yeah, do what seems right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, I, you know, I try to be as super easy to work with as I can be. and. And also, my assumption is always that uh, the artist is probably going to come up with a better visual idea than me anyway, so we should probably just uh, yeah. Well, that works out. That's well, that's it's smart of you to do because I know a lot of teams when they get together, uh, you know, the most famously of all, uh, Snyder and Capullo. Um, they butt heads totally in the beginning. They didn't get along. He was like, I write this and you write it and or i draw this and that's what gets drawn and they you know it took a time to actually start compromising and yeah well and i you know i wonder if that has to do with the fact they were they were both kind of on their way well they were both kind of like really good and they were like hot they were like hot shots you know yeah yeah, and they both are they're like they're on their way up they're not quite pinnacle yet but they're on their way up and they're getting the hottest book there is yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. both kind of like a little bit control freaks. I mean, it's it's kind of a famous story, actually. That yeah, they're, it's nice they're... to see though that uh, how it did work out in the end, and how you know they do get over to themselves. I mean, I met Capullo once, and couldn't have been a nicer guy. Like, uh, absolutely... I've I haven't met him, but I've heard that he's not, and I've heard Scott Snyder's great too. Yeah, and it's just it's great to hear these people. Like like you were saying, you met Mark McKenna at a con. And ten minutes later, you're friends. You know, I couldn't believe it. Like I met him, I was like Star Wars, Star Wars, and we just talked Star Wars. And I've seen him at like tons of cons since. And it's not like you don't think once in your head, "Hey, that's Mark McKenna." You just think, "Hey, there's that dude who's cool." You know, just so generous and down to earth. Like I love comic artists; they're fucking amazing people. Yeah, he's extremely chill and. Uh... Yeah, he's a, he's a super great dude. I I literally can't say enough uh, good things about McKenna. I mean, and that's and that's just talking about his personality. Not even talking yeah. about his, his oh, work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing to do. He's just some dude you'd love to have beer and wings with. You know, it just makes sense. He's, well, and the <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is a lot of guys. Um, if you were like, hey, I'm going to run this Kickstarter on this book, would you be willing to, uh, you know, ink a cover, ink this cover for me? Um, 
you know, I think a lot of guys would be like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And then they kind of mail it in. I, I just got the high res uh, scan of the cover today. And it's yeah. like, I mean, you it's amazing. It on Facebook. We all know you did. Like he's, oh. he's like, I'm doing this cover for Travis McIntyre. Check it That's out. right. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and it's awesome. Yeah. He it's gets amazingly excited. good. It's uh, it's cool stuff, but him and I both have this cool thing where we are lucky enough to fit into that whole Michigan existence because there's something special down there. And I say this every time I'm chatting with somebody from Michigan, but I still can't get over it. I told my girlfriend for the two years, I was like, you have to come to Motor City with me. I know you don't like coming to Comic-Cons with me, blah, 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 but you trust me. These people are amazing. And she was expecting, you know, amazing people, blah, blah, blah. But even when we got there, after she had met most of the cast, was it like, okay, you're right. I don't know, like, I underestimated what you were saying. These people are fucking incredible. So I don't know what it is about the community down there, but, uh, or actually, I should weirdly technically say up there. But, uh, yeah, there's something special going on in Michigan, and I'm very, very happy to be a part of it, and I think McKenna is too, you know? It's, uh, there's like a... I don't know. There's there's a true sense of uh, community in the indie comic scene in Michigan, and it extends into that like circle above. You know, there's there's a handful of like established pros, right, that are all live here and that you know they are around and they go to all the yeah. conventions. I mean, you've got Ryan Lee and Stegman, um, you know, things like guys like that, and they're. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and everybody is kind of connected and everybody kind of hangs out. And there's a there's a really, really cool scene here of people who and it's really mutually supportive. I mean, when I first started supportive, you guys are disgustingly supportive of each other. Right. It's it's really uh, that was one of the kind of things that that really surprised me, because, you know, when I was a little a bit younger and like through college, I I played in bands and uh you know, so you, you do little tours in the region where you're in and all this stuff. And, you know, you're kind of out there trying to get by. And sometimes you're buddies with the bands and sometimes you're not. But you're definitely not, like, super pally up with them. There's a little bit more of a sense of competition. At least my experience was that way. But kind of kind of trying to break into comics and putting my, you know, first book out. And then, you know, my second little book coming out and, and kind of getting in with the, the with a small press publisher and now with Caliber. And it's like every single person who's part of the scene is just, you know, it's like high fives all around. Yeah. Everybody. It's just yeah. everybody's happy for everybody else. Half like, my hey, Facebook now is just people high fiving each other from Michigan. Just being like, ex- you rock. No, you rock more. Exactly. <laughs> I guess it, it, it is kind of disgusting, yeah. I suppose. Well, I see, I, I, I see this certain other flip side. So I'm here in Toronto and an insane comic book community but but in no means is it small and kind of not that it's not supportive but it's a little more competitive just because of the scope of it i mean you've got countless comic cons going on in this area all the time i've got about 15 comic shops within an hour of me i could drive to it's it's uh we're a little bit spoiled because the community here has been so it's it's really old. I mean, you've got guys around here like Dave Ross, Ty Templeton, David Finch, you know, mm-hmm. like like at one point I think three of the four Batman artists all lived in southern Ontario. 
Yeah. And it's an amazing thing, but it also, because it's so big, it takes a little bit away from the, the sense of community like you feel in Michigan, just because I think of the scope of it. Because there's just too many people for everybody to love everybody, you know? Like, uh, Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think that there's, I think that there is, I mean, I kind of, I understand what you're saying. I don't know if, if it's scope necessarily that's here. It's just, I mean, one thing I think that helps is that virtually everybody genuinely likes everybody else. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, we yeah. do a lot of hanging out. You know? Yeah, totally. Totally. You don't see a lot of that here. Like what you'll see, like after fan expos and stuff, there's no like kind of main party. There's no kind of uh, core groups that kind of get together and have that dinner at that Italian restaurant or whatever may go down, you know, like uh, we had to follow guys around and we just happened to be lucky, uh, me and the Drunk on Comics boys, just lucky enough to end up in the same bar as Stegman when we were here for uh, Fan Expo last year. And, you Ah, know, that luckily we picked this fucking like it was a bar under another bar. And I think we went because some geek band was going to play. And luckily, everybody showed up there, Finch and Stegman. So, you know, Maiello, everybody was there. So it turned into a great night. But by no means are there is there hanging out. Like, I think a lot of it, too, is because, uh, like, uh, Space Channel is our sci-fi channel. And being based in Toronto, I don't know. There's just a lot of these bigger entities that take away from the, the family feeling of it, you know? Did I really lose you at the hour mark? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> we had a long delay there for a minute. Are you there? Seconds. Oh, I heard seconds. I'm here. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, rounding out the hour uh, time period here. Uh, let's give these, uh, very important specifics again. It, uh, the book is Bayani and the Nine Daughters of the Moon. Yep. And I mean, that's the, uh, that's sort of the overall title of the whole thing. Each, uh, each individual issue has its own little title because I'm an Indiana Jones nerd. So the first one is Bayani and the Old Ghosts. And the second one is Bayani and the Witch of the Mountain. And the third one is, you know, so forth and so on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, I hope it's you really just gra- a way for me to spend a lot more money on graphic design and logo. <laughs> well, think hey, at least you only got to do it for eleven episodes. See, I thought I was all smart and swarmy back in the beginning, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna episode my podcasts. I'm gonna number them in Roman numerals, just like Star <laughs> Wars. <laughs> yeah. And then you got to like five, and you're like five. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now I'm at 156, and there's like C's getting thrown in there, and L's. We and got fucking... C's and L's and M's. Like so, fuck! Yeah. Now I have to know how to do Roman numerals. I, it's amazing that I've learned though. Like you know, I can actually count to 156 in Roman numerals. I can write it down for you. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, you're uh, killing it. Yeah. yeah I mean, eventually, you keep this up. Like another decade, it's you're gonna have to. It's gonna be super long. Yeah. Know? Oh my God, what's gonna happen? That'd be because uh, uh, there's a weird letter that comes next too. What is it? It might be Q. Uh, yeah, I think it is Q. It's. I think Q gets involved after at some point. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it's silly. So 
Yes, kids, go to the Kickstarter, check out Bayani and the Nine Daughters of the Moon, and yep. also many other cool things. Uh, Michigan Comic Collective. Uh, is there a main site for Michigan Comic Collective? Yeah, so, there is. Uh, MichiganComicsCollective.org. And uh, you can uh, order any of the books we have out. Uh, the newest release is a standalone graphic novel um, by uh, Greg, Greg Wright called Wild Bullets. And it's sort of a uh, mix between uh, the movie Clue, if anybody remembers that old farce of a murder mystery, with uh, sort of the uh, genre stereotypes of uh, 1940s pulp fiction. I absolutely loved Wild Bullets. Uh, Greg was on the show two episodes ago or three. Oh, yeah. And uh, absolutely loved that book. It was fantastic from start to finish. All the different people involved. Super cool idea. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely adore it, too. And it's one of the uh, – honestly, it's one of the few books I've seen that is not an anthology of any kind. Is one story but successfully swaps – different artists the way that it does without it feeling herky jerky. Yeah. Like yeah. I, it like actually smoothly transitions from point of view to point of view and art style to art style. I, I thought it's, it's great. It's funny. Um, Greg is a great writer. Uh, check it out. If, if you get a chance, it's really good. Absolutely. Um, yeah. All this wonderful shit coming out of Michigan, all the people we've talked about, please check them out. Uh, Jay Fosgett, Casey Pierce, uh, her book Pieces of Madness is available on Amazon. Uh, so much good stuff. So much good stuff coming out of uh, the T-Dot, of course, as well. Volume 2 of The First Hero from Action Lab will be expected right around Fan Expo time, I believe, kids. I know Anthony likes to premiere his stuff in Fan Expo style. And uh, as you've heard, Mr. Uh, Josh Werner coming up. Uh, hopefully that means that uh, his lo lovely wife, Bree, shall be attending. I don't Ooh, know if she will be in, no. uh, in a state enough to be traveling. She's, she's so pregnant. She is very, <laughs> very pregnant. So she may not make the trip. But uh, if you don't make the trip, Bree, don't worry. I'll keep an eye on Josh. I'll make sure everything's cool for you. But... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, go to Kickstarter. Please, please support this fantastic new story from Mr. Travis McIntyre. Mr. Travis McIntyre, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight, sir. Thanks a lot, Jason. Anytime. Man, I really appreciate it. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, check that out, kids. Uh, but as for now, that is all we are going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon. Take it easy.